0: and illness can become an all-consuming experience. Hi, and welcome to I Am Not My Pain podcast. I am your host, Melissa, a chronic pain sufferer for over 20 years, and I know firsthand how pain can easily take over your life and isolate you from others. But the truth is we are so much more than our pain and illness, and we are not alone. There are millions of fellow warriors on their own journey. Join me as we hear real stories of people living with pain and illness, their challenges, their victories, and the treatments they use to get through the day. I am not my pain and neither are you. Welcome back to I am not my pain podcast. Having a chronic illness can make anyone feel different than their peers. It doesn't matter how old one is, but as adults, we have the ability to make our own health decisions, try to find forums for support, and better comprehend our own symptoms and our own feelings. The truth is many of the chronically ill develop symptoms or are even diagnosed with their conditions during their childhood. So what is the experience like to manage illness as a child? And how does a child cope when his or her life looks different than their classmates and their healthy siblings? How might a child handle the treatment and going to a doctor? And how does having a chronic illness as a child translate to having the condition as an adult? To share her experiences, my amazing guest for today, Eliana. Eliana's pain started when she was in the fifth grade after she fractured a growth plate. After two years of wearing a boot and walking on crutches, a rheumatologist diagnosed her with CRPS, and later fibromyalgia. She began different treatments, but found herself resisting. The pushback stemmed from her diagnosis of ODD, oppositional defiant disorder, when she was in the first grade. As Eliana got older, she was also diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome, migraines, chronic hip russitis, and a rare digestive issue called dumping syndrome. Because of her childhood, Eliana says she found her own way to manage her pain as an adult. Eliana is now a paid volunteer EMT, as well as has several other volunteer jobs. Eliana, thank you so much for coming on the show. No problem. Yeah, and why don't you share a little more of your story and as well as the symptoms you currently manage. Okay,
1: so as you already said, I was diagnosed fairly quickly. So it was really only about two years as opposed to significantly longer that I've heard most people have dealt with it. Mm -hmm. So I was diagnosed after a fracture that never really healed properly. And then later on, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia on top of the CRPS. And then since like chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia both mainly present with like exhaustion and pain very difficult to kind of differentiate between the two so it was kind of just like oh you probably just have both of them so we'll just treat you as if you have both of them yeah. which it's basically the same treatment give or take so it's not crazy to assume that but like so a little bit like frustrating mm-hmm. but then for me in terms of like both the crps and the fibromyalgia, my pain is more localized so for the CRPS, I have it officially in my left ankle and my right wrist. And then, like, in terms of fibromyalgia, it's kind of just like a more, a more localized form is what I was told. So they're still, like, not really sure, honestly, hmm. what the deal is. They're just kind of treating me as if I have fibromyalgia just because there still isn't any that definitive diagnostic tools yet so it's
0: a work in progress a diagnosis of of exclusion yes
1: exactly it's pain in the neck so then in the past couple of years i got like chronic hyprisitis from like work and stuff that was kind of more like a work injury than like a chronic like to go with everything else injury Mm. which has been being treated like extremely slowly in physical therapy since basically they need to try and prevent the CRPS from spreading to the chronic hip and to the hip area. So we need to like literally treat it at a snail's pace. So I've been in physical therapy for like a year and a half now for it. So that's a work in progress, but I finally went from twice a week to once a week in the past month. So we're getting there.
0: You're getting there, but yes, mom. Uh,
1: Yes. It's definitely taking a while. But whatever it takes to make sure the CRPS doesn't spread to their area is perfectly fine with me. And then, like, this past year, around January, I wasn't really able to eat anything. I was literally couldn't eat anything. I could eat, like, plain pasta, and even that would, like, make me really nauseous. And I was, like, really not feeling well, so I went to like my regular doctor who sent me to like a gastro right away. And then after like a bunch of tests and blood work and some other stuff, we, I was diagnosed with something called dumping syndrome, which basically means that my stomach digests food too quickly, making me like very nauseous and causing like cramping and stuff. And it also makes it hard to digest certain foods because for whatever reason, I don't really understand it entirely, but I'm working on it. Um, it just makes it hard to digest for me, like protein. So I can't eat like protein at every meal. I have to kind of like skip around. I have like protein for dinner every other day, give or take. Um, and that's pretty much all I can handle. And I still take a lot of like anti-nausea medication in order to even eat to begin with.
0: Wow. That's... Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot to manage <laughs> and do everything you're doing. And that's incredible. And it's interesting that, you know, some of the stuff started very early on in your childhood. I mean, the first grade, it's really early to start having kind of medical issues. And I know you had to wear the boots and the crutches and you were dealing with pain. Did you feel, I mean, did you feel different as a kid, you know, due to the chronic illness? at
1: all i mean like not when i was on a boot and crutches because like nobody kind of knew what it was so mm. it was just like anyone else felt like a broken foot or like whatever like it happened to be that like that year we had a bunch of like not a bunch but like a handful of kids in my grade who had like surgeries for whatever reason so there were like a bunch of people who were like in a boot for like an extended period of time and some other stuff so it wasn't like completely isolating
2: Well that's good.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, did you feel different from your healthy siblings? Because it's kind of different at home versus school when you're home and you experience pain and your other siblings are running around doing whatever they want and you're obviously in a boot and crutches.
1: Well, I never really felt like the differences, but there's something now like I know that they felt it because like I didn't have to do like the same amount of chores and like Mm. I got more attention. I was always with the doctor and like stuff like that. But I never really felt the weight of that, but they definitely did in terms of like having to split the chores and stuff two ways versus three ways and stuff like that. And like even to this day, like they still like roll their eyes or like complain to my parents if I'm unable to like do
0: something due to my pain. Mm. Yeah, that's hard. And it's, it's hard for both sides. I mean, you can see both perspectives. It's not that you want to be this way though, but sometimes you're just not able to. And at the same yeah. time for them, they're like, why do we have to do all this? But you know, it's, it's, and as an adult, they need to recognize, you know, a little bit more. It's hard. It's, it's a hard in siblings anyway, the relationships always, you know, yeah. And, you know, it can be complicated. I guess I would be a complicated relationship and dynamics, you know, and, and all that. So that's interesting. And I mean, like friends at school, did you share what was going on with you? Or did you just not really know what was going on?
1: Honestly, like when everything was starting, I had no clue it was kind of flying. So I was just kind of just leaving everything be. But like, I did have, like, at that point, like, I had like pretty solidified relationships with friends. So that kind of just kind of stayed, even though like everything I was going through. But then, like, when I switched to high school because it was like a new school, I kind of just like, I really talk about it because like no one really knew except like the kids I went to elementary school with that like I had been in a, like, an inpatient hospital program and, like, some other stuff, but, like, like no one in high school really knew about that because it was, like, a new school and it was new everything, so I just kind of left it like that, and people saw me, like, limping or, um, like, with an ace bandage or something. They kind of just, like, just assumed that I was clumsy. I just kind of didn't correct them because it's, like, especially, like, to a high schooler, it's, like, very complicated to explain. Obviously, like, I did a ton of research on it because that's just my personality and I just wanted to know everything I could about it. So I know a lot about the subject, but like it definitely isn't something that like can easily be shared with someone, a teenager type. But then like at this point, I'm kind of pretty open about things, but it pretty much depends on like the circumstance. Like for job interviews, when you have to like self-identify with like a disability or whatever, I usually like the client side like I just check like I don't want to disclose that information instead of like checking yes or no because like even though yes legally they're not allowed to like do anything they're not allowed to not hire you because of the disability I still believe in like the back of my mind that like there's always that kind of stigma of like oh this person's not going to be able to work as hard and like this person's just kind of going to be taking off all the time and like it's just so I'd rather, I rather just like kind of keep it to myself until I get to, to like a solidified place in that
0: relationship. Right. So you feel like they know who you are without that label or in a way, yeah. Basically, they know that you'll work hard and you're going to keep up with them, especially as an ENT. I can't even imagine with your wrist and your, I mean, your ankle, how do you, and do also
1: you... <laughs> I'm right-hand dominated. So remember that so like it's also so like I wear a brace whenever I'm working for my wrist because they're kind of unsure at this point if it's tendonitis or CRPS or both Mm. or whatever so we're just kind of treating it as both at the moment so like because I'm like listing patients and like I'm doing active things and I'm not just kind of sitting there doing nothing I wear a brace like whenever I'm doing stuff that like could potentially injury in my wrist so like I get extra support
0: but like with my ankle I kind of just ignore it yeah that's that's incredible that you can do that and it's interesting uh that what you said about marking you know you don't disclose it because I have a lot of people on this podcast that work with chronic illness and they said I've had a little bit of both, you know, I've had where they said, absolutely not, never said it, never would tell them I would shut my door and lay on the floor and they would never know because she. a few of them had seen how their employers treated other people that eventually came out with chronic illness or something of that effect. And so they pulled back and were like, I'm not going to say. And other people just like, you didn't want to have that label and didn't want the employer to be worried about them in any way and that's also like these were adults right so like
1: they've been in the workforce a little bit longer so like they have kind of a steady a steadier grasp on like the whole thing and I'm like I'm really only 21 like I'm not so old I haven't like been working for such a long time so I'm still kind of like playing around like depending on like we'll see like I don't like disclose everything but like I still haven't really figured out that kind of my place in that regard and like there are like a ton of like websites like that offer jobs like people with chronic illnesses but those are all also geared like not entry-level positions they're all geared to like management positions where like it's a little bit more laid back Well, it's great for like the majority of people but then you have people like me who are like looking to enter like into the workforce and like not necessarily like an easy job just like a job that would have a little bit more leniency and like there's not something that's really entry-level because for entry-level you kind of really have to be willing to do whatever
0: yeah no you're right that's so true I was curious too. I know, you know, going back to kind of your childhood, you said you did, you know, you had ODD and, and that definitely made you push back on treatments. I mean, do you think that was the full extent of it? Or do you think there was more to it? I mean, I can't imagine as a child, because luckily I did have a pretty normal, like I was a healthy child uh, until I was about 18. And I can't imagine having to go to all these treatments and being poked and prodded and not, I mean, you get what's going on, even like it's middle schooler, but you don't fully grasp it and to go through all that and then be told all the time by your doctors, by your parents, you have to do this. This is what's good for you. This is the next step. I can't imagine that felt good. I mean, I think I would push back a little too as a human being or as just as a child. And you do see that in a lot of children when they have like
1: in life you're going to push back against anything that'll cause you pain right Right. and most of the treatments geared towards crps and other conditions that, that require chronic that are chronic and cause pain generally cause more pain in the short term and in the long term are supposed to cause you less pain but as a child like what do you know about long-term, you know, nothing about long-term, you haven't even been in life for a long-term, like, what do you
0: know about that? It's just now, when you're a kid, (laughs) it's all about right
1: now. Exactly, like, what do you know about long-term, I know this is hurting me now, so why am I gonna do it, like, in terms of, like, all of the labels, and all of those kinds of things, I honestly, like, don't really know, because this whole thing about, like, ODD and all that stuff was only kind of revealed to me recently Mm. because I'm not exactly sure why it was kind of kept secret like not really secret but like I don't even know what the right word for that is just I only found out about it recently so I always just thought like something's causing me pain now and I don't want to do it so I'm just not going to do it and something stupid, so I'm just not going to do it, like, stuff like that, I kind of just thought that was my personality, like, I didn't think it was anything, like, not necessarily wrong, because I don't really consider it as something being wrong with me, I just consider it, like, that I'm just passionate about stuff I want to do, versus stuff I don't want to do, and if it's stupid, like, I used to say, like, a lot of the stuff we did in, like, art class was stupid, so I just didn't do it, (laughs) but, like, obviously that's not harming anyone but like when I refused to do like schoolwork that was a little bit more complicated like I remember like in first grade I had to have like a whole sticker chart and like stuff to like get me to actually do my work which I think kind of worked and I honestly don't remember because that was a long
0: time ago sure um it's amazing what our minds can remember not remember or what we choose to remember and and don't remember as a child, which thank God for it. I mean, it's a blessing in many ways, but I remember you telling me in the preliminary interview about, I think it was, was it, it wasn't like a pain, uh, it was a clinic of some sort and you and this other clinic, you were both just like did not want to do any of the treatments.
1: Oh yeah. It wasn't like, the treatment it was specifically like yoga like we just weren't into it and like the other people in the program were like 18 and 19 and I was like 14 which kind of like I also didn't want to do it but it was also like I was kind of looking up to these people and they were like I'm not gonna do it and they were like we were all just like giggling the whole time and like just not doing it (laughs) so I think that's what you're talking about. We just, like, were into doing the whole yoga stuff, which wasn't – like, it's never really been my thing. My parents have always wanted me to try it and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It just – I like to kind of do things my own way. I like to figure things out for, like, myself. I don't really like to sit alone with, like, silence. I'm not, like, a fan of that kind of thing.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I just never really wanted to. I never really thought about it more than just – Yoga is dumb, so I don't want to do it until like I became an adult. But like now I know I just it's just not my thing. Like, I like to do things my own way. Like, yoga, you it's kind of like yoga and meditation is kind of not really geared toward a specific type of personality, but kind of it kind of is it's like you have to kind of be open to it. And yeah. as like most people with ODD, just in general, are open to many things like in terms of like both of those like it
0: it wasn't a combination that worked for me well and what what did work for you as a kid for your pain I mean how did you get through those painful times because crps
1: watched a lot of tv tv with your
0: friend that was good Good yeah
1: like distraction has always been like what I always leaned on like i've always tried a lot of, i've tried a lot of different things over the years obviously like i've tried physical therapy. like ever since like because of everything i have when i was younger like as i got older i tried a lot of those treatments again as more open and in a better place for myself i mean they didn't really work but i did try them with an open mind which i think was kind of the point in the long term so like distraction has really only been the thing that worked for me
2: Mm.
1: but because when you're a child like your parents generally have medical autonomy as opposed to yourself Mm
2: -hmm. which
1: is very difficult when you're like a teenager like even as a young new teenager it's still like difficult to be like oh you basically have no say in what's going on like you're just gonna have to take these medications that like your parents decided are what's best for you so they like thankfully like for me the first things I tried basically worked like I tried I did like a steroid pack and I did like nerve blocking and an SSRI for pain like the nerve block and SSRI I'm still on like to this day so I'm like working on trying to like get off of them but I'm afraid to because I don't want like everything to come back. So I'm like kind of pushing it off for the moment. But it's definitely in the back of my mind of like playing with them. But I have been on them since seventh grade. So a long time.
0: Right. <laughs> like, it's so hard because it I get it, because I've I've been on medicine for a very long time, certain medications, and you are when you are in a balanced or, you know, semi balanced state, you're like, well, I don't want to mess with it. But at the same time, I don't want to take this forever. I'd like to try to see what I'm like, if, is it really helping me? Because I don't know because I've taken it so long. And it is also
1: originally they thought my stomach issues were like caused by being on these medications Mm long-term
2: because
1: when I was starting, these were the only medications that were able As someone younger than eighteen to be able to take, Mm -hmm. so I didn't really have another option. It was kind of either this or the. I don't even know. There wasn't another option, so it was it was very different. Like then, and like I was given some like regular like narcotics, like most people get prescribed in this type of situation. But like I always hated them because they make me tired and they make me not myself, and I just have no interest in it. Like I wanna be able to function. I don't wanna be like passed out the whole time. And I honestly don't find that it actually helps with pain. I just find that it makes me tired and makes me sleepy. But does that really help with the pain? No, it just makes my brain like not pay attention to the pain and just make me fall asleep, which is good if I can't sleep, but if I'm if I wanna be awake it doesn't really do anything for me so then like later when I like my parents started letting me kind of take the reins when I was a little bit older like so like when I was like 17 16 17 I was like kind of doing my own doctor's appointment but like it was still difficult because I still had to get like approval from my parents like when the doctor wanted to send me for an MRI and I was like all right like that sounds like a good plan like we'll do this and I'll do that And then they had to like call my parents in and be like, okay, so here's the plan. My parents were like, no, we don't want to do this. And like, that was very frustrating. Yeah. Um, But now as an adult, like, yes, I still have to discuss with my parents because they ultimately pay for all of it.
0: Understandable.
1: But like, I do have more of like a, like to stand on. Like I do help pay for what I can help pay for. And I do. And like, now I'm able to like pick what kind of medications like I want to be on like in terms of like short-term pain medications for like a flare-up like the only thing I've tried a lot like a lot Mm -hmm. of different kinds of medications from like over the counter to like specialized compounded greens like really everything and like the only thing that ever really worked for me was like ketamine which people think is
0: like, oh, I know. Not a real thing. I took it too as well. And people, you know, people,
1: like, isn't that the like worst
0: of... I'm like, Ugh. yeah,
1: I was like, that's like my mom thinks it's a street drug. Right. Like, that's exactly. what she calls it. I was like, all right. But honestly, it's the only thing that makes me functional. So mm-hmm. if I need it, but not like it doesn't make me crazy. It just makes that pain not be there for a mm-hmm. short amount of time. But then I discovered that we can have it compounded into, like, a cream. So one of my doctors did that, and that's been a lot better for me in terms of, like, because the, like, the way you take it is, like, orally for the most part, but, like, it also made me nauseous because they, like, put flavoring in it and some other stuff. So, like, when I was dealing with all the stomach stuff, I wasn't able to take it. So then I was kind of just stuck sitting like with the pain which is fine because I've done it for a long time but it was still uncomfortable so then I discovered that like we could do this cream thing so I was like all right why not try it and it actually kind of worked for like a very short amount of time but it did work so I mean that's kind of what I'm doing now and then again like I'll still like always lean on like distraction when I need to, because that's always going to be my fallback
0: plan. That's incredible that you can distract yourself enough during those flares to manage it. That's incredible. But I can understand when I first got sick, I was 18. And I still very much, obviously relied on my parents. And I listened to their advice, I followed what they said and most of the times when I went to the doctors, the doctors didn't even look at me. They looked at my parents because they were the decision makers and I was kind of like, "Oh, what do you think?" I don't know, you know. But as I got more into being sick and dealing with the doctors and all those things, I kind of took over the reins and became more in charge. But it took a little bit of time because you're not fully at that young of an age. You're not fully ready. You you rely on your parents. But then you can get that frustration of when, I mean, I've run into some things where, you know, I wanted to try something. They disagreed. And we had kind of a discussion. But it's, yeah. if you will, and sometimes, honestly, they would win. And maybe it was a good thing they won. I don't know, you know, all the time. Right because you do as someone who's sick you do get desperate sometimes to try things to help you at least I did that's personal I would be so desperate that certain treatments sounded like even though they were pretty nuts I was like I'll do it (laughs) and my parents would be like that's insane you can't do that and uh and of course you know some of them were doable but it just scared them and dealing with their fear over me wanting to get help it was just a a balancing act, it always is. So, do you think as a child, you know, you just kind of push through it? It sounds like you just push through.
1: Yeah, I wasn't really given much of a choice otherwise. I mean, better for worse, I wasn't
0: really given much of a choice. So,
1: and so do you think that
0: affects it. how you do it today? I mean, is this how? 100%.
1: I just don't know if it's for better or for worse. (laughs) It's just kind of how it's going to be for now.
0: Right. It's, you know, we all have to do things to let us get by, to live our lives and all those things. So, so what would you say going through all the conditions you've gone through so young has taught you now? What's, what is taught me that's like useful
1: for me is like empathy because like obviously I need that in my jobs it's made my life different Mm -hmm. I guess um I feel like empathy is probably the biggest one
0: well thank you so much Elena this was great I appreciate you coming on to talk about it I know that everybody handles pain and chronic illness so differently so it's great to get different perspectives of how it works for you what helps you and how you kind of managed it throughout your life, which it's great that you can kind of find your own way to do it, which is what everybody has to do. We all have our very unique ways to keep going. So thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. And thank you to my listeners for tuning in. And I hope you tune in next week to our new episode. And remember, you are not alone and you are not to your pain. like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. Or do you want to be a guest? Simply email not my pain at heroescircle.org. Again, that is notmypainatheroescircle.org. H-E-R-O-E-S Your story matters and we look forward to hearing from you.
1: Hi, this is Keith. I am a martial arts therapist at the Hero Circle, a global healing and wellness initiative inspired by the children of kids kicking cancer. Would you like to discover the power of your breath while fueling the purpose of thousands of sick children across the globe? Simply check out our free adult meditation catalog at HeroCircle.org forward slash meditations. To learn more about our program and our inspirational little heroes, visit our website at HeroCircle.org. From all of us at the Hero Circle, we wish you a wonderful day. Power, peace,
0: purpose.